0: On today's episode, we're talking about customer service and how it's not a selling point. We'll be talking about how do you really create an intentional, amazing customer experience? And more importantly, how do you develop those raving fans? Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. For those of you who are tuning in as a regular to the show, I appreciate you checking out the show, appreciate you listening to the show, and uh, you are why I make the podcast. I originally came up with the podcast a few years ago because I was a uh, <clears throat> new business owner myself. I had no idea what I was doing, um, other than just thinking that, of course, I had, you know, God's gift to, uh, the people I was trying to help and naturally thought I was going to be so busy. It was going to be amazing. I was going to be a multimillionaire just instantly and found out very quickly that that was not the case and that the journey of business ownership, the journey of entrepreneurship is actually much more difficult than we make it out to be. So if you are new to entrepreneurship, if you're new to business ownership and uh, you're relatively young in your business, young meaning uh, not in terms of age, but in terms of like you're just now starting, uh, I I just got a, a, a harsh truth for you that it is harder than people on social media tell you. It is not the simple, um, you know, I sent one email and all these buyers were lining up. I sent one DM and now suddenly everyone is buying from me. You know, I did this one tiny thing and now I have more business than I know what to do with. Uh, there are decisions you can make that can be really powerful and incredible for your business and that can have an enormous ROI. You know, you make one small tweak and suddenly the business sort of just opens up. These things do happen, but on the same token, running a business is anything but simple. It's anything but easy. And regardless of wherever you are on the journey, I appreciate you being with me today. Uh, And I hope to give you some good advice today. I hope to share some things that get you thinking about your business and more importantly, make you a little bit more money. So, I will say I have been getting over a cold, I've had a cold for about a week, uh, my wife did as well, and uh, so I'm a little stuffy today, I still have the, uh, you know, the throat I need to clear every now and then, so just bear with me, and uh, despite the cold, still was able to enjoy Thanksgiving, still was able to see some family on both sides, and uh, my kid, my kid's actually almost two years old, and it's really cool, you know, we had our baby during covid Um you know, the baby was born, and then, like, the day later, we couldn't find toilet paper anywhere, right? So you know this, you remember this, and that is the world that our daughter has grown up in so far, is this very isolated, shut-down-esque world, and it's been great to um, <clears throat> get her in front of family um, for her to see my grandmother, my, my grandmother, <laughs> to see my mom, her grandmother, and smile and jump into her arms. Like that stuff's really cool as a parent, right? So anyway, we've had a good Thanksgiving. I hope that you yourself had a great Thanksgiving, that you had a special Thanksgiving, and I hope that you got to binge on some really delicious food, uh, which is actually my favorite thing. Um, well, <laughs> I guess seeing the family is my favorite thing, but also the food is a very close second. So Here's what I want to talk about today. I've been talking with a multitude of business owners on, especially lately, on um, this concept of building raving fans. And it's something that's not new to the show. It's not something new that we haven't talked about before. If you followed me long term, you know that um, I talk a lot about this concept of raving fans, meaning it's enormously more profitable for your business to really dig into how do you develop those raving fans, those repeat buyers—the people who, you know—I think about like the Costco uh, shopper who you mentioned Costco, and they're like, "Oh, I just love Costco," and you're like, "Okay, yeah, 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 I get it, I get it." <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of cult-like, right? Same thing with like uh, my mom loves iPhone. Uh, she loves Apple, but she loves her iPhone, and so she told me she told me uh, several months ago. That I think maybe I was giving her a hard time about buying the new model. Cause, you know, every year there's a new model and it, the costs of it, by the way, just get more and more. It's kind of, when you think about it, it's kind of astronomical. When you think about how much people will pay for a brand new phone, cause, you know, we're looking at like $1,300, right? For a new phone. And I remember when like $600, dollars was a lot of money for a new phone. But back then you paid $200 and you'd get it like on a service plan or what have you. But point being i was i was talking to my mom about it and she was like oh yeah i would i will totally buy the new one every year it doesn't matter what it costs <laughs> and i was like okay this is someone who's a raving fan who doesn't just like the product doesn't just like the business but is like unab- unabashedly openly massively a fan of it and will tell other people about it So think about your own business. How amazing would that be if your customers were that way for your business? How special would it be if whenever your company name got mentioned that your average buyer, you know, immediately jumps up and says, Oh, my gosh, this is such a great company, such a great brand, they do so much good stuff. Basically, buy, buy, buy from them, please. You know, it's basically free marketing. It's actually more effective marketing than any marketing campaign that you could ever do. There's no amount of incredible copy. There's no just the right photo. There's no just the right branding that you can produce that will ever be more powerful than the spoken referral from someone who's been happy with your business. There's nothing you can match from, there's there's no comparison to a happy customer, And so the takeaway from that is thinking about how do you really craft an experience that helps a customer walk away feeling that way? And I've been thinking about this a lot lately only because I work a lot in the entrepreneurial space. I work a lot in the small business space. And one of the, whenever I'm first talking with a prospective customer, one of the things I always typically, as it's always framed in the, in the, um, perspective of customers i always like to ask a couple things one what do you do and so i get sort of their perspective like what's their version of what they do and i like to ask uh so what do your what do your customers think about you what do they do they like you do they not like you and uh, naturally of course everyone's always like oh yeah our customers love us it's so great it's so special but another question i like to ask a third question is what makes you different what makes you special this is an important question because it's rare that any of us are in a field that is totally unheard of. It's rare that any of us are disrupting an industry. Now, this this does happen, by the way. I mean, Uber's a great example; totally disrupted the auto industry, the auto um, ownership industry, where now people, in many cases, are like, "Why would I buy a car when I can just Uber somewhere?" Right? Which, by the way, um, well, never mind; it's a different subject. <laughs> I don't get off point here. So it's rare that any of us are disrupting an industry and that's that's okay by the way. More often than not we're doing something we're doing a service, we're offering a service or offering a product that we have competitors in our area who are doing the same thing. It's unheard of that you would sell something that no one else would sell. Now this can happen. Uh I have come across a various number of Different businesses that um, I don't just stumble across, but some businesses that have reached out to me and said, hey, can we get some advice for my business? And they sell an incredibly specific and incredibly unique product. I think about one silly example would be the gentleman who sold leather wristbands that were bedazzled with rhinestones. Can't say I've ever come across anyone who's done that since. So it does happen, but more often than not, you are selling something that uh, you look in any direction, you're gonna find a competitor. Uh, I'm no different, by the way. I am a uh, a business consultant, a business coach. I'm helping people grow their businesses. And if you Google that, you're gonna find 50 in my area. If you look online, you're gonna find a million of them. And I can go ahead and tell you that no one has ever asked, nor has anyone ever cared about my certifications, about my licensures, Uh, What makes me qualified versus someone else? Now, not to say these things are unimportant, not to say that someone wouldn't eventually want to know if they were going to buy from me, but point being, I'm in an industry that there is a very low barrier to entry. Anyone, you know, some of you listeners, maybe you're a business coach uh, and that's not to discourage you. It's just that literally anyone could wake up tomorrow, quit their job and say, I'm going to be a business coach. Anyone could do that. And there'd be nothing to stop them, right? and they'd have their perspective on business or what have you. It's a little different from someone who would start a business tomorrow and be like, I'm a welder, because uh, there's actually a bit of um, physically, I can physically see if someone's capable of that or not. Uh, in the business world, it's, it's almost so much as, can I put on a nice shirt and at least seem, res- seem uh, representable enough to be trusted to give you good advice for your business? Point that I'm getting at is this last question that I like to ask and you know, what makes you unique? What makes you special? There's one answer that I get more than any other answer. And to put it simply, I ask the question, what makes you special? What makes you unique? Why should I buy from you? Why should anyone buy from you? And an answer I often get is, we have great customer service. So someone gives this answer, they say, we have great customer service. We really care about our customers. And it's always a bit of a funny answer to me because I think of a few things. I think that we are really good at lying to ourselves and our motivations and intentions are often good. It's it's rare you find a business owner who is overtly in it for themselves. They just want to make as much money as possible on the backs of their customers. They don't care at all long-term. Now, I... I have met people like this, by the way, but it's rare. Most people will say, I want to see my customers succeed. I want to see them happy. Yada, yada, you get it. And so it's interesting to me when someone says, you know, we have great customer service because everyone is doing the expected things when it comes to working with customers. We know that it's wrong to shout at a customer or chew a customer out or cuss a customer out. We know it's wrong to probably steal from them, right? Uh, we even sometimes, most of us know that whenever we bid a project or we sell a customer for an amount, that it is not good business to come back and say, hey, actually, it's going to cost this much, uh, especially when it's some kind of mistake that we made. So for example, I was doing some work with a customer in one of our local hospitals. It was some leadership and management work. And I was printing off some personalized stuff for the people who were going to be in the room. And I bid this project out um, for a couple of thousand dollars um, just for this little small gig I was doing for for this company. And part of it was I needed to print a bunch of, uh, uh, but I had to print, print a bunch of stuff that also needed to be in color. Because also I'm trying to deliver a product that's really, um, Valuable, it's good, you know. It, it people it doesn't feel cheap, I guess. And so I did it in color, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, what I forgot to think about is the cost of printing, and I was printing a lot of pages. Like every person was getting like fifty pages worth of stuff. Well, it came out to be like two hundred dollars worth of printing. It was a two hundred dollar print job, which I think the printing people were like, "This is awesome. Come in anytime, right?" So it's a two hundred dollar print job, and. You know, it's a two thousand dollar gig, and I'm thinking, geez, I just spent ten percent of what I bid this project, what I invoiced this project for. I just spent ten percent of it on on printing paper. That feels really bad. Now, what I would like to do is go back to that customer and say, hey, here's what happened. I didn't realize the cost of doing business. Um, it's going to be an additional two hundred dollars. Can I send that invoice to you? And 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 I don't want to be so black and white it's it's not that there aren't times where this sometimes does happen you know I've I've invoiced amounts to people and then realized the cost was different than I realized and I've gone back and sometimes said hey I know I told you it'd be this much it actually is going to be this much is that still okay but I don't think I've ever had someone fully pay something off because this was a customer who was like yep got it send the invoice and they paid it in full I don't think I've had a customer where they've paid in full, and then I've gone back and asked for more money. And that's because for me, um, that's just doing good business. It's This is the amount I said it would be, and because of my own mistake, my own problem of not thinking it through, uh, I just have to eat the $200. So that's the cost of doing business in my mind. And so there are these basic things that we often do in business in order to do business the right way. And the point that I'm getting at Is that I think doing those things, we sometimes like encapsulate all of those things as uh, in a cliche way, like we go the extra mile when really it's, it's actually not that unheard of. The point that I'm getting at is when you smile and you're polite and you're kind and you answer an email from your customer and you you give them the product that they ask for on time, it doesn't necessarily mean you've done a stellar job. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've now you know, set the tone for a great customer experience. I think a lot of times we think we're wowing customers when really we're doing what we always should be doing. And in the customer's eyes, we are giving them what, was what they expected we're giving them what they expected it's it's they would have been they would have left us a bad review if we'd given anything less. The reason I'm hashing this out is because I've noticed so many people tell me that the differentiator for their business is they get they give great customer service. yet so many of us personally can name off the businesses, that actually gave us a transformational experience where we walked away and we were like, holy cow, that was such an amazing experience, and I am a fan for life. I mean, I I can think of less than five companies, less than five businesses that so deeply wowed me that I was like, I will literally pay you any amount of money for anything you wanna sell me. It's very rare, very rare. That that's happened, and talking to my wife, talking to some friends, it's it's similar for them as well. They have similar stories of very few companies that were just so so um, set the tone in terms of a phenomenal experience. So I try to parse these things together. I think about. How is it that we have so many so excuse me so few memorable experiences? How is it that we have so few memorable experiences and yet so many businesses are talking about their amazing customer service? Something doesn't line up there. And I think it's because us just simply doing business, we often think we, you know, deserve a badge of honor, and, you know, like I said I didn't scream at that customer and so I must be a really great <laughs> I must be a really great business it's like, no, you did the basics. You did the basics of what I expected you to do. Now, this can be get really complicated um, in terms of like what you charge, for example. This is going to create a different experience for your customer. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, treat your high paying customers really well. I think you should treat all your customers really well for the record. But I am letting you know that, and you've probably figured this out yourself, if you've ever struggled with pricing, you've tried different prices, you've probably noticed that your cheapest paying customers, the ones who are most iffy on price and maybe uh, really strung you over trying to get a discount from you or a deal from you, you've probably found that these are customers that are typically really hard to please. And on the flip side, you've probably also noticed that uh, your customers that are the best paying are simultaneously fairly easy to please. They are um, suddenly not so worrisome about every line item on the invoice. Again, that's not permission to take advantage of anyone. But if you have charged a varying amount for your goods and services, you've probably noticed something like that. And so the expectations, the level of expectations can change based on your price. That's not necessarily an insight about customer service, but it is to let you know if you are looking to manage those bare minimum expectations, be prepared to have drastically different expectations based on what you charge. So having said all this, it becomes very hard to build a business on customer service. Uh, It becomes incredibly challenging because a lot of times we haven't simply understood how to deliver that experience to the customer. Uh, we're just we're in some cases we're so um, trying to get the next customer in the door that it's hard to give that uh, um, original intention uh, excuse me attention and be intentional with the customers we do have. but I think what I want to share with you today it's about being less motivated by customer service in terms of politeness, in terms of kindness, in terms of responsiveness. And instead, it's all the more about creating an intentional customer experience. And these are different things. They're different things in the sense of, I'm not talking about the one-off interactions you have with your customer. I'm talking about the curated version of getting your, your goods or services It's it's the journey they go on from the moment they decide to buy from you to the moment that they're done with you, that they've received whatever help you're offering. This is something worth being intentional about. And when you're intentional about it, you're intentional about creating the customer experience. That is how you truly develop these raving fans for your business. It's not about the smile and the kindness and you're really good with customers. You make them feel warm and welcome. And that's part of it. But that is a random interaction that doesn't really carry much weight. What's all the more valuable is I have curated and created a very intentional customer experience. So here's what I mean by this. So whenever someone works with me, I'm not just, you know, Blake in the sense of I make I make stupid jokes, and uh, I'm just my personality, and I'm polite, kind, whatever. And it's not, and it's not even so much I have goodwill towards my customers, right? It's it's not even just so much. Now all these things are going to add up, by the way, but it's not so much even that I am you know, let's say someone hires me on because they really want to grow their business. They want to triple their revenue. Maybe they want to hit seven figures. Maybe they are a six-figure business. They want to hit seven figures and they're like, how do I do this? How am I going to the next level? Or maybe it's even someone who they, you know, they started a business. I have a customer like this. She started a business as literally a side hustle. It was like, I don't care if it goes anywhere. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to give a few hours of this every week. And she's looking like she's going to do 150 grand this year. Like it's it's just exploded, right? So when I sit down and work with someone, I'm not just giving them my personality or my goodwill in the sense of if I don't do what I say I will do. Um, well, let me phrase this. Let me phrase this a different way. If I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then I can be overly puristic on my customers in the sense of I didn't do that, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to take your money. I want you to have your money back. Um, and I'm sorry that I worked with you, I guess (laughs) this doesn't ever happen by the way. I'm just, I'm just talking like, these are the values that I've developed for my business is I want people who hire me to actually get what they pay for bottom line. I want them to get what they pay for. I want them to have a premium experience. I want their business goals to be attainable and for them to actually attain them. So I have, I have goodwill towards them. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about filling my pocket. It's you have trusted me with your dollar and that's something very sacred to me. So when I do business with someone, when I talk about this curated experience, it's not just about my intentionality towards them or my goodwill towards them or my politeness towards them. I'm trying to make the process as painless as possible for them. And some ways that you can handle this are thinking about what would be the roadblocks they would have in working with me. What would be the ways that they could potentially be frustrated in working with me? Typically what happens, what breaks up the customer experience is a lack of setting expectations. So if you want to develop a business where you are actually known for your customer service, a lot of it ties back to setting expectations. A lot of it goes back to you are developing a common understanding and you're communicating with someone so that they know now what does this process look like moving forward. And more importantly, they know what it doesn't look like. I mentioned earlier, chances are you're in a business that there are plenty of competitors, especially if you are working with someone who's bought from your kind of service before. They may have worked with someone who was totally different than what you do this is true even with with um you know the more i think of it like the 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 sweaty kind of work like plumbing electrical like the more like get in get your hands dirty type of work the even even when the outcomes are intended to be very similar the experience could be totally different i'll give you one example if my lawn care guy if i hire him to um, cut my lawn and you know, I know that every couple of weeks he's going to come around. He's going to be there. He's going to cut it. It's going to be done. And he always does it at, I don't know, 7 a.m. in the morning. I can know that I probably shouldn't book any appointments because this guy's going to pop up on a random day at the crack of dawn and he's going to be mowing outside my window whenever I'm trying to have a call or record a podcast or what have you. Well, if I move on from him and I move on to a different lawn care person, what's my perception going to be about the way they do their business? It's probably going to be very similar. I'm probably going to think that this person, that all, all lawn care people show up in the morning, you know, they wake up at the crack of dawn and they get it all, all the grass cut, like while well, it's still cool, I have no idea, but that's, that's the real data that I have that I'm pulling from that's now framing my expectation of the goods or services now being delivered to me. Your customers are the same way, their perception of how you do business could be totally based on past work they've done with someone like you. That can work towards your favor or it can work against you. And it's why communication and setting expectations is synonymous with a good customer experience. So when someone works with me, here's what typically happens. I first send an intro email to them and you can use any any number of these things, by the way, for your own business, there's something that's funny about the good advice podcast and like the good advice brand. There's nothing I've ever told anyone that I've felt like has been ever really particularly insightful. This stuff's very basic to me. It's very simple to me. And I think that's what makes it so tangible to the listeners of the podcast is it's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. That's really easy, right? Uh, you know, in the same way, whenever I talk about like leadership and management and I'm like, Hey, have you tried not screaming at your employees? It's like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's really simple. I never thought of that. Right. Very basic stuff. You know, if you want your employees not to quit, just don't be awful to them. So in the same way, um, here's what I typically do. So this isn't, this isn't rocket science, but it can be transformational. If you can be intentional and make a habit of this. And this is actually also um, good timing because I'm working with a customer right now on crafting this customer experience because a lot of times what happens is like we get the customer in the door and it's like, okay, actually, need, I need to get them on the calendar. Okay. It's on the calendar. Okay. i got to make sure that I have all the stuff I need to have to do the, I don't want to show up without the things that I need or, or, you know, mess them up or not do what I said I can. So I'm going to, I'm going to slot in their work here on my calendar and I'm work a little bit of it on this day and do a little bit on that day. And then, okay, here's where do I get the next customer? And like, we're juggling like duties and responsibilities instead of pausing and really like thinking, okay. How does this one specific customer from beginning to end, what's the experience like? So that's something I'm doing with one of my customers right now with her customers. And it's something that's very important to me with with just my customers in general. So here's what typically happens. Once someone has told me they want to buy from me and they buy from me, I typically send an email. Uh, Maybe I send a video. I know them in person. Maybe I'll call them. I don't know. And I just say, thank you. I say, Hey, you could have trusted any of the million of coaches out in the world. And you chose to work with good advice. Thank you for trusting us. Um, Thank you for uh, trusting us with your dollar. It's something that we really value. And this is brief, by the way, this isn't anything long um, only because this is a total other concept that you have to remember your customers really don't care about you. (laughs) They don't care about your story. Um, Now, you know, please don't be pissed off if you're like a story brand person. Uh, yes, there's power in your story, but they don't care about, you know, the past 10 years of your business. So I don't share any of that stuff. And I'll say we at Good Advice have always cared about. I don't say any of that stuff. I just give a, a simple, heartfelt, genuine, thanks for doing business with us. It, it means a lot, especially if I'm, if I'm personally not going to be doing the work, if I'm handing them off to someone else, then I really want to make sure that I have an intentional touch point with that person. So I send that, and then I also give them something very simple. It's three words, what to expect. Here's what you can expect. Here's what the next 30 days, um, six months. Here's what the next year is going to look like together. Here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I expect from you. And here is how our communication is going to look. In as simple terms as possible, I explain how often we will meet, how often they will hear from me, and what kinds of conversations we will have. I lay it out very, very clearly and also very concisely. It's not a exhaustive um, strategic plan that is, you know, detailed, you know, to every single day. It's just basic. Like this is what it's going to look like. For us to work together. And then I asked them, does this work for you? Is this what you're expecting? Cause I want to know, I want to know if this is someone who is, um, and some of this happens by the way, before the sale, some of this happens in some ways I'm, I'm validating if this person is a good buyer or not, because if I sit down with someone who, um, for whatever reason, they had a coach who, you know, there was some poor coach who, was on call every day and they called them every single day and there was an expectation that at 5 o'clock every day this person is going to call and I'm going to sum up to you my day. Did I make the right choices? What should I have done differently? You know, or even like some coaches, I'm, by the way, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I don't sit down with people and talk about your dad problems or, you know, how you were treated as a child and how that affects you as a leader today. Now we, we do have a lot of conversations on, you know, why do you, why did you say that? Like, why, why did you, why was it hard for you to trust that employee? Like, why did you treat them that way? Um, So there are honest conversations, but you know, I have, I had a customer one time who was like, oh, I, I know what you're getting at. You're getting at what I faced as a child. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting to that actually. Um, but I want to know what they're expecting because they might've had a coach like that. And, and like I mentioned, often this will happen even before the sale, um, cause it'd be really bad for them to buy from me and then be like, okay, we don't work well at all. But for them to communicate with me, yeah, this I, w- I would like to. Um, and, and honestly, in many cases, people don't know what to expect. They don't know what this is supposed to look like. All they care about is the problem being solved. That's all they care about. And so if I can shed light on what that looks like, then and when they can expect from me, what they can expect from me, this is an important step in crafting that customer experience. It's really valuable. It's actually, I think, very vital to turning a customer into a raving fan. So I give them that, um, I give them that email or that message or what have you, and then I do something that is, um, it's a bit, it's it's a bit unintuitive. It's this again. I'm making it sound like it's going to be rocket science. It's not rocket science but I do something a bit unintuitive. I then look for ways for us to spend more time together, for me to invest more time in my customer. Over the next six months, I'm looking for ways to help more. And I'll tell you two things about this. On one hand, I want them to know that um, I'm invested in their business. I want them to know that I care about their business. And frankly, it's good business, business for me if they feel like I am interchangeable with their business. If, I'm, if I interlock with their business, I want them to feel like Blake is synonymous with how my business runs. So some of that is a little intentional. But on the other hand, I'm doing that because I mentioned that my original goodwill is for the success of my customer. So if something comes up that I can help more or additionally with, of course, I'm going to do that. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that now you're showing up every week. You're just donating all these hours. You're doing all this stuff where you're being taken advantage of by your customers. But I think of one customer, a really great customer that I had that when COVID happened, I was really involved with their business in terms of like leadership and management of their business and managing employees. Whenever COVID happened, it was a really scary time. Really scary time for a lot of employees, by the way, because they're wondering what's what's my boss going to do? Are we an essential company? Are we not essential? Are we, am I going to have to come in when everyone else is at home? It it was kind of freaky for a lot of people. So I had this customer, really great customer, worked with them for a couple of years and uh, they were um, just, like I said, a really great customer. The boss, the person who had hired me, called me and said, hey, can you get on a call and just spend half an hour talking with our leaders and just, just assuaging some fears? What I didn't do, and I, I, I certainly could have done this. I could have said, yeah, it's going to cost this much. And I could have made a sale. And for the size of this company, and this was a $20 million company, they could have easily paid it. But what I did instead was I said, yeah, I'd I'd love to do that. Of course, I'll do that. And I got another year's worth of business after that, by the way. So a lot of times we were so driven by the dollar. And in many cases, we're so untrusting and fearful of being taken advantage of that And even like, also, as I think about this, as I'm talking about this, uh, sorry, I don't write out a script for any of this. I just, I just hit record and talk. Okay. But I think a lot of times we're so driven by scale. Like, how do I get in more customers? How do I fit in more customers? How do I do more? How do I do more across my customers and bring in more revenue without having to put in more work? Right. Because I mean, I can't. I can't go from 40 hours to 60 hours to 80 hours. Like There's a limit on how much I can do. So how do I scale this thing? And we're often really driven by the numbers on maximizing the ROI on the effort that I'm given. And so we are creatures that are so engaged in this concept of more than less and talking to as many customers as possible. And what that inherently does a lot of times is it makes us... Um, instead of thinking about how to spend more time with this customer, how do I, what's the least amount of, of time that I have to spend on that customer that is going to at least keep them happy, not piss them off, not leave me a bad review and just enough so that they may potentially buy from me again. That's typically what we do, but I'll never forget. I had a guy on the podcast, Patrick Stewart. He runs Apricot Lane boutique. Uh, incredible business in a time where brick-and-mortar retail is really dying in a lot of cases. His is booming, and this is his secret. We look for ways to spend more time with our customers rather than less. We don't look at the minimum amount of time. It's, it's how to spend more time with that customer. Kind of a revolutionary thought, Right. And so that's what I do with my customers is, okay, how do I, how do I spend more time with that person? How do I, how do I donate more of my time, my intentionality? And again, you, you know, for those of you who are really black and white, you're going to have to kind of uh, level with yourself here and understand that, you know, please get paid for your time. Uh, Please get paid for additional work that you do. But there's just a level when I talk about customer service, there's a level of generosity that comes with my business that it's, it's part of how I do my business and it's part of the experience that I'm intentionally crafting with my customers. So I set expectations and we talk through expectations. I look for ways to spend more time with them and then I do something else that is probably really toxic in some sales circles. Um, I accept when it's time for our, our work to be done together. I accept when it's time for our business to be done together. And here's what I mean by this. I was working with a company that had done tens of thousands of dollars uh, with my last consulting company I was with before I started out on my own. And they had done all this work. Um, They were in such a freaking phenomenal place. They had done so good and gotten their business in such a great place. And this business, by the way, that I was part of before was explicitly like a consulting leadership business, a leadership and management kind of consulting business. And I remember thinking like, what's next for this business? And I found myself realizing there's really nothing else for this business. They, We have solved their problem and they don't need us anymore. Now, what I could do is I could say, um, I could find ways for us to work together. Well, we need to do this. We need have you, you know, do you know the latest, greatest on, you know, I, 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 think, uh, what's the one personality test that's like become people become so addicted to, um, oh my gosh, what is it? Um, the numbers, uh, one to nine, the numbers, oh, I was going to drive me crazy. Um, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't think of it. I can't think of what it is, but that personality test that like everyone was like, oh, I'm that number. Right. Well, um, which by the way, I got booked to speak at an event and it was like a breakout session and the organizer told me they can either go to your events or they can go to this explanation of this personality test event during your time slot. And I was like, okay, so no one's going to come to my event, I guess. Um, which actually it was booked out. It was awesome. It was great. But I remember thinking before then that no one's going to come. Um, I'm getting way off track by the way. Sorry. So, um, oh my gosh, now I even forgot what I was talking about. Oh, oh, I remember now. So like, I I think, you know, with this personality thing becoming big, I probably could have been like, yeah, like we can walk you through this. I can, how, how hard can it be? I can figure this out. But ultimately that would have been about, if I'm being honest, it would have been about filling my pocketbook rather than genuinely helping them. They didn't need me anymore. They did not need me anymore. There comes a time with your customers where it's okay to say we're done for now. We're done for now. And this can be really scary as a business owner. As small business owners, we're often really sweating cash flow. We're sweating when is the next invoice going to come in, and if not sweating, we're at least having to be very um, intentional on. Okay, I know this is going to come in at this point. I'm going to pay off this bill with that. Uh, there is a an actual mechanic to all of it that goes beyond just um, you know yeah just bigger and better just running the business right. And so it can be scary to take guaranteed income and say no to something like that. But do you want to build your raving fans or do you want to get paid? Right? Do you want to build people who are lifelong cult-like fans of your brand? Or do you want to get paid in the short term? See, one of these two situations are going to feed you today the other situation is going to be incredibly fruitful down the road. And so what I do for building my customer experience is there comes a time when I offboard them and I'm very intentional on onboarding them in a, in a good way. I'm also very intentional on saying goodbye in the best way possible. And typically I'm I'm similar to that original email. I send a letter of gratitude I also typically send them a summary. Here's the work we did together. Here's what we said we would do. Here's the goals we said we were going to set out to accomplish, and here's how we accomplished them, and more. Um, and then I, you know, ask for a Google review or or what have you, or a podcast review or whatever it is, and um, you know, we just go from there. But the important thing is I I know when to say goodbye. I know when to say goodbye to customers that the problem's solved, the deed is done. And what I have found is that when you become less addicted to reoccurring revenue from one customer, and you instead become committed to really serving them and solving their problem, those customers actually come back. A problem, a new problem comes up, something happens, and down the road, they come back because you were the person who treated them well, who served them well, and who ultimately is the most trusted source for them to go to when it comes to solving their problem. I don't know about you, but I would rather have a customer for life than someone who is a three-month project that I want to string out for nine months total. I want the customer who's going to work with me for the next 20 years. Because ultimately then for my business, it's now a combination of, building those people one by one so that so much momentum is built for the business, that 10 years from now, I have built a business where I don't have to do, you know, so much in the sales world. I don't have to do so much um, cold traffic because I have now curated those people who are going to continue to come back again and again and again. That is what we mean when we talk about a real customer experience. And you have to build that. It's not something that happens overnight. It is something just like you would for for delivering or shipping a product or developing a service. It's something you have to be intentional for. What is it like for someone to buy from me? Which, by the way, something I didn't mention, this isn't just at the point of sale. It's even before that. It's even like when they come to their website, come to your website, what's that like? You know, how complicated is it? Is it frustrating? Is it straightforward? When they first communicate with you, are you cold, aloof? All that stuff that you guys already get. uh, But that's certainly a big part of it. So thinking about your own business, why do people buy from you? Is it customer service? If it is, I'd be a little afraid of saying that. And I'd start thinking about what do you really deliver? And in what way do you deliver it? That's not only memorable, but actually is creating those raving, amazing fans and repeat buyers for your business. Hey, thanks for listening today. That's today's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget you could be a Patreon for the podcast. If you want to support the podcasts, you can do so for as little as $5 a month. You can jump on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash good advice. You can also sponsor an episode if you want to get your business mentioned on the podcast. But more importantly, if you've been following the podcast long-term, I want to tell you, I appreciate you. This is, today is November 30th. We're finishing our best month ever for the podcast. And I just want to tell you, thank you for being such an important part of the Good Advice Tribe and for helping make the podcast what it is. I hope it continues to grow and that it continues to help more people. That's today's good advice. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you.